Hello everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. Cloud computing has helped us move away from the past that ran applications or programs from software that were downloaded either on a from a physical computer or servers. While cloud computing allows us access to all kinds of applications through the internet clouds today, we are now witnessing rise of intelligent machines that can sense, reason, and act on its own. Since artificial intelligence is at the heart of much of today's technical innovation and the rise of machine intelligence, there is a great hope that it will bring us the potential to not only improve the existing cloud platforms, but also power a next generation of cloud computing technologies and platforms. It is important that we individually and collectively evaluate whether artificial intelligence will be able to power the next phase of cloud computing, since there, there is a growing unanimity on all-out analytics, which is increasingly seen as the gateway to the big data floodgates that is coming our way in coming years. As we witness growing incorporation of artificial intelligence capabilities as a foundational element of cloud infrastructure, it brings us the promise of potential to accelerate solutions to large-scale problems facing individuals and entities across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, in short, referred to as NGIOA. To discuss cloud-based artificial intelligence platforms further, I'm delighted to welcome Matthew Lemons to Risk Roundup. Matthew is the founder and CEO of Schedule and is based in United States. Welcome, Matthew. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful, Matthew. So it seems that the next phase of cloud computing is going to be driven largely by artificial intelligence. Do you see artificial intelligence powering the next generation of cloud computing? I do, uh, for a lot of reasons. The, uh, the simple fact that we have machines are creating data at a rate that people can't consume anymore. And so you have this data generation, even simple, uh, not simple companies, but companies that you wouldn't think are data companies, uh, Coca-Cola, for example, are creating huge amounts of data. And now they have to have uh, a way to process that data to make it understandable and actionable. This all happens in the cloud. Uh, the data collection, the pipeline, the distribution of that intelligence to other departments, other departments in the organizations. And so it all feeds in that ecosystem. And I think it's going to be a very exciting time. Yes, so it seems and AI also brings us these very unique characteristics that can influence the next generation of cloud computing platforms, but it requires a new computing infrastructure and the support for many different programming paradigms and frameworks. Now, the case for the cloud so far has been based on its potential to lower computing costs and increase business flexibility. However, when we make a case for integration of cloud with artificial intelligence, or machine intelligence, why is artificial intelligence-based cloud computing getting you know, very exciting and uh, is being welcomed by so many players as you were just you know, talking about? Now, what are the benefits that they all are seeing and that you are seeing? I think it's, it, it is in two different areas. One is in traditional optimization. How can you take a current process and make it faster, better, smarter? Uh, and that is, uh, uh, a driving factor in cloud computing. So cloud computing makes things cheaper. You don't have to have your own servers. It drives uh, costs down. But what if you could take your core business process and optimize that, and you can do that in many cases with machine learning and the intelligence you get out of that. 
The second component is not only optimization, but creating whole new ways of doing things and new op opportunities. Uh, and so the second is, is more uh, emergent. Uh, it's not quite here yet, as people understand what things can, uh, processes that aren't even digitized now that could be digitized and create a whole new operation, a new product line uh, that is purely machine learning or artificial intelligence based. Yes, no, that is that is a that is a good point that you made. And now we are certainly poised to enter the era of the AI first cloud, that is artificial intelligence first cloud, as so many so much intense effort is going on to incorporate machine learning in operations across nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia. I mean, irrespective of whether it's individuals or entities across NGO or any component of a nation. So with entities increasingly keen on incorporating artificial intelligence into their operations, where do you see the potential of progress? I think the potential is driven by people are now beginning to expect things to work. And that, that expectation drives uh, innovation, whether it's at the governmental level, uh, large corporations, entities interacting with other entities. And so they have an expectation of uh, uh, coherence across different platforms, uh, and the cloud again drives uh, this expectation. We now have an expectation that regardless of where I'm at, I can access uh, my social media, I can access email, I can access all the different uh, programs and applications I have. Well, entities have the same expectation. And so they have this expectation that whether they have uh, departments, operations in different countries and different lo locations, that all of that data should be unified and actionable. Uh, and not only within the organization, they're starting to think that, well, if I interface with another entity or another, another organization, whether it's at the governmental level and there are you know, different, whole different departments, they're starting to have this expectation that, that things ought to work more cohesively and, and, and in, a, in a much smoother way. And um, I think that drives uh, a lot of cloud computing and it drives a lot of uh, the innovation in terms of how do you make that happen? Because it doesn't happen by magic. It, you know, there's people that are doing uh, very good work to, to make that. If something goes easy, a lot of hard work went into it. Yes, yeah, so it seems now, while cloud computing is itself still in its infancy, we as we see growing centralized databases in the cloud, when can artificial intelligence-based cloud computing take you know, enterprises, if you are talking specifically about businesses? I think artificial intelligence will drive um, uh, companies to a new level of performance uh, in particular. Um, one of the things that they'll, that companies are needing to do is create at the, at the C-suite level uh, a chief artificial intelligence officer because you, you just like for cybersecurity, you have this, it's a new technology. It, every company, if you create data, you have to have a way to use that data uh, because doing things uh, in the pre-digital era any longer, you can't compete. And so you can't compete if you're not in the cloud. You can't compete if you don't have a technology arm of your corporation that is, is uh, aggressively seeking uh, uh, the most uh, uh, advances that, that are possible. And artificial intelligence is central to that now. So now that we understand and we have bright uh, students coming out of the, out of the university systems uh, that can apply machine learning with fantastic libraries and, and, and uh, 
Python and, and other and other platforms, uh, you're able to say, look, I've got this data. Our company has a core initiative in terms of we want to make sure that we reduce costs by 10%. How do we do that? We don't even know where we're losing the, uh, uh, the opportunities or, or how to how to uh, better our processes. Well, those questions, um, if you have the data, uh, are in the realm of things that can be answered with machine learning. Yes, yes, definitely. Now, where do you see cloud-based artificial intelligence platforms that are used currently if you're talking about United States? Uh, you see them in, in nearly every industry, starting at larger uh, corporations and, and, and industries uh, that are more, uh, that are more uh, uh, in place and now filtering down into uh, the medium-sized businesses. So certainly in healthcare, you're seeing it in healthcare uh, bioinformatics. Uh, you're also seeing artificial intelligence in Internet of Things. Uh, a lot of uh, artificial intelligence is getting a lot of buzz for good reasons in terms of uh, automobile industry with self-driving cars. Uh, and that's really exciting. Those, those, but what's interesting, especially with artificial intelligence, is that the core underlying technologies that enable a car to drive on a street by itself also enable radiologists to say we can have an artificial intelligence engine that helps scan, pre-scan images, whether they're MRIs or whatever have you. So that image classification uh, task, uh, when you have the right data scientists, can say, look, I have learnings from the University of Toronto in terms of uh, image classification and, and self-driving cars, but I'm not in self-driving cars. I'm not in the automobile industry. I'm in healthcare, and I want to saw I'm going to apply this technology to a healthcare uh, scenario, and that can be done now. And that applied level of artificial intelligence is really where the growth is at. Uh, we have great uh, work being done by our universities on the core uh, algorithms and why machine learning can do what it do, does. Now it's how do we take those machine learning algorithms and those and those libraries and apply them to new business use cases. Yes, so it seems I think universities are coming out with some really interesting innovations and ideas. Now, would you say that these cloud-based AI platforms are kind of similar to platforms as a service? There are some uh, companies that are starting to do that, and so they're they're trying to not commoditize, but provide a service layer for artificial intelligence. Um, and the, you can imagine uh, if you have a, uh, a machine learning module that can take um, uh, classification and learn to get better on itself, you can say, well, why can't I create a machine learning module to provide me machine learning services to uh, businesses? Uh, and they're starting to do some of that. Um, but the, the, the reality is that these are really bespoke uh, solutions. Understanding and the domain knowledge is critical to your ability to appropriately tune and understand the results and guide the machine learning process to, to obtain uh, a solution to a business use case. And so um, uh, it's, it's, you can't do it as a service, but it's really a directed service. It's not an automated service. What is the level of investment you see in uh, developing AI capabilities in cloud platform? Uh, companies are spending a large amount of money, uh, and for good reason, because the opportunity to that return on investment is very high. Uh, and so uh, we're seeing a high demand for uh, uh, junior data scientists. Uh, we're seeing a much higher demand for uh, the leadership in corporations uh, at either that CAIO level or head of, head of machine learning, head of data science. Uh, and so it uh, depends upon the area, uh, the, the competition results in uh, very nice salaries for, for people, uh, but there, there's, there's this demand to 
have incorporate artificial intelligence through cloud platforms in all industries. And so um, um, it's, a, it's, it's quite an exciting time. So it seems now if we evaluate where the investments are going uh, for these uh, cloud-based AI platform, what developments do you see emerging based on the trend of investment? You're seeing um, some social developments in, in the community itself. So you're seeing structures arise around artificial intelligence and machine learning and its components, whether it's uh, natural language processing, image classification, self-driving cars, embedded systems, uh, Internet of Things, uh, process out of uh, optimization. Um, and so you're seeing uh, more conferences uh, pop up for this uh, and conferences specifically that are addressing um, uh, some of these components, addressing the component in terms of artificial intelligence at the developer level, artificial intelligence uh, in the business use case, and and, and helping uh, people at the C-suite understand what's the appropriate questions to say, this is an artificial intelligence type of question we, should, we could be asking, uh, and uh, setting the right expectations. There's been uh, a lot of, of uh, uh, hope and, and, and hype around uh, artificial intelligence that it can solve every problem. Uh, and uh, there's, there's uh, because there's, there's more than a kernel of truth in terms of that it ha it's ex extraordinarily valuable. Uh, and so everybody says, well, can we, you know, I, I made a joke the other day that it's like early on when uh, uh, everything was going to be an electrical appliance. And so if you look at the old cartoons when you were a kid, uh, everything was was electrified, even, you know, stop signs uh, everywhere were uh, were automated and, and made uh, uh, to run on electricity. That's not, the, it didn't happen. It's not going to happen with artificial intelligence. Not every business use case requires an artificial intelligence or machine learning solution uh, to it because the return on investment isn't there, uh, it's inconvenient to do it. Uh, by the time you, you enact that solution, you'll, it's not core to the problem that, that your company needs to solve. Uh, but uh, there are, uh, you can't imagine running a company today without electricity. You can't imagine running a company without cloud computing, without, without internet uh, access, and all the tools of that. You can't imagine a company in the next two years who has any level of, of sophistication not applying some machine learning uh, uh, to its, its data set. Um, if, you, if you're at the point now where you have uh, descriptive analytics, you have a data set and you want to do quarterly reports and you want to uh, find out uh, uh, cluster analysis, what customers are most likely to buy more, which customers are, are needing more customer service, the next step is how do you then predict what's going to happen next quarter? It's that simple of a mind flip to say, look, it's not just what happened next quarter, last quarter, it's what's happening next quarter. That next quarter question requires machine learning. Very true. Very true. Very true. Machine learning is a new electricity. Yes. No, so that's what everyone says. Now, if we talk about consumers, do you hear some echo? Uh, no. Okay, so if we, if we talk about um, artificial intelligent platforms uh, when it uh, especially from the focus of the consumers where your focus is what benefits do you see emerging for the consumers and users for consumers um, I think the benefit is going to be much more personalized and that's really our focus uh, at my company schedule uh, what we're doing is we're uh, my personal approach and the team's philosophy is to 
empower people with the data that they create. So we want to change the, the paradigm from the more data you have, the more frustration you're likely to have, to the more data you have, the easier things should be. And so uh, to have that uh, actually come about, you have to have a way to coalesce that data and make some recommendations for approval by people. And so I think that process uh, in terms of where people have more access to the, to the benefit of their data uh, will be replicated not only in schedule, but in many other uh, 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 relationships between the consumer and the organizations, the businesses that they interface with. So, uh, for example, uh, in schedule, uh, you've got a lot of activity data. They're in Google calendars, Outlook calendars, iCal. Uh, right now, the more data you have, the harder it is to understand when you're busy, when you're free, when you can do things. What schedule does is takes all that data, doesn't share it with anybody else, but applies a machine learning model that learns your preferences, your priorities, and also learns the preferences and priorities of the other people you want to interface with. So that when you want to have a meeting, you just pick the people, and schedule gives you intelligent recommendations as to when that can happen so that you don't double book and you don't have to have all that back and forth of negotiating when things can happen. That's a personal benefit that you get from your data that's empowered by machine learning. Well, what happens if, you're, uh, if you wanna go buy a car and you say, well, look, right now, Ford and, and all the large automobile dealership uh, uh, manufacturers are using uh, machine learning for market segmentation to try to get a, a sense of, of uh, their customers and what their customers want. But what if you could have uh, access to your data, your driving habits, uh, how far you drive, all that kind of stuff. And so when you start saying, well, I'm looking for a car, uh, that model can then help you decide which car is actually best for you, whether you could you, you can make the transition from uh, straight gas to a hybrid car, or if your driving habits are sufficient that uh, the technology is matched up now, you can go straight to electric. Uh, and you can start saying, well, look, this is where um, I have some greater, better choices because it matches with my habits and with really the way I like to interact with this product. And I think that personalization of the consumer experience is the next step. It's not just the benefit for the large corporations target, and they're fine, I, people making money is great, but what, what people in that expectation of things working, and that, that general societal expectation that when things work better, I have a better experience, that's now filtering and that expectation is getting to the consumer level. And they're saying, well, why is it that I have to, you know, speed is always a, a key metric. Why is it I have to wait to get something? Well, that, that's one question, but now it's not only why do I have to wait to you know, have something, is why is it that I, that I have to weed through so many products to find the one I really want? And so Amazon, they have tons of data scientists, they're really smart, so when you go into Amazon, they're trying to figure out what is it that you would like to have so that they can show that to you more quickly so that when you make a choice, you don't have to wait through, wade through all the options that you really don't want. Uh, and so that personalization on a mass scale is made is empowered or made possible through artificial intelligence that would be so amazing personalization that would help the consumers the users you know directly individuals all across nations so if we talk about uh, the platforms cloud-based artificial intelligence platform that can help the consumers who else is offering that it's uh, really fragmented at the moment so um it's fragmented because each entity wants, uh, is trying to solve the, the, their problem. They may try to solve a consumer's problem, uh, which sounds kind of funny, but it's true. Um, but it's only for their 
individual uh, experience or, or the interaction between the company and the individual. What, uh, what some companies are starting to emerge to do, and I think our company is in that, in that class, is try to give uh, the consumer, the, the data generator uh, part of the ecosystem, access to the, uh, a tool set that they could take regardless of where they are. And schedules like that. So schedule says, look, it doesn't matter if you have data from Google, Outlook, or iCal, or if you don't have any one of those uh, major, you know, calendar repositories. You don't; they don't house any of your data. You can use schedule independently of all that. But regardless of you do, you can take our platform and you can interact with uh, your uh, school, your child's school. You can interact with your work uh, colleagues. You can interact with your family, and it'll still give you a better benefit, a better experience than if you hadn't. And if some of those other parties are starting to in, engage in schedule, then the, the, the symbiosis really uh, gives you uh, a much better experience. Yes, and it will be so amazing where you, you know, this can take us. Now, what are the requirements for artificial intelligence platforms in cloud? Uh, basically, especially the qualifications that are necessary for inclusions in AI platform, what what are the different uh, criteria that are necessary for a product to be included uh, in this AI platform? The, um, a lot of the criteria are uh, some that you know very well. Uh, they're around cybersecurity, uh, privacy concerns, uh, data housing uh, uh, requirements, that because now people can connect and communicate with people from whether they're across the street or across the nation around the world, uh, that now is uh, has a layer of regulation uh, that companies have to uh, understand and make sure that they account for. Uh, the the other thing is the really is the data pipeline. How is data coming into the system so that uh, you have enough information so that you can make uh, train your models so they can put up make a prediction according to whatever thing you want to predict and understanding how the data can get into the model uh, is a key component to creating the platform so uh, computer vision is uh, a very popular uh, area in machine learning in artificial intelligence and think about it. The, the amount of information you have from live stream video, from still images, is enormous. The ease with which you can take a picture or take a video, uh, have a self-driving car, and now there's uh, uh, real-time processing uh, in terms of like you only look once and you can go through a video and you can start classifying images in that video, whether they're street signs, people, other cars. Um, the amount of information you get in video is enormous. Okay. It's very easy to get because you have a device that is a, is a data capture device. And so that data capture level is critical to whether you can create a platform that you can then train to get smart. Internet of Things is one of those uh, uh, new areas that's really popular because the price of these devices in terms of remote sensors uh, has gone down and networking them so they can collect data, uh, whether you have an Apple, it, and they can, examples of this are whether you have an Apple Watch. The Apple Watch is an Internet of Thing data collection device. And that data can then be, is being tasked with bright people to say, look, can we start trying to figure out um, a whole suite of healthcare applications that could be driven by the data uh, from, from the watch. But in industry, you have Internet of Things, and so we have sensors on, on machines, sensors on in warehouses, uh, and some of that sensor data is still images. Some of that is not. It's with all kinds of other inputs. And so 
collecting the data in the first place is, is the first step, and then you can start processing it to start, to start getting to a point where you can answer some questions that are important to the organization, to the important to the consumer at some level as well. Definitely, but the, talking about the data, as you collect all these data from all the consumers who uh, sign up for these and uh, who are interested in uh, getting the benefits of the uh, AI-based uh, cloud platform, who owns that data? All the data that you will collect or organizations like yours that will collect, who will own that data? That's a really good question. And uh, the, the answer is it depends on um, it depends on the company that you talk to, uh, and it also depends on uh, the social uh, interaction that created the data. So uh, at, at schedule, uh, the data is owned, uh, it's housed at, at schedule, uh, it's under the control of the individual, and, it's in, and we have a tool set that empowers me with my data to interact with other people in their data. So I never see anybody else's data, but the platform uh, helps us make a joint decision. And so uh, we don't sell people's data. Uh, if we have a figure, if we figure out a way to leverage that data uh, for the, in a different way that empowers our members in a, in, in, in a whole new product line in the future, uh, we'll ask their permission and say, this is what people want uh, uh, from, from their data uh, in terms of new experiences. They want to send you information about, because you're, you're traveling somewhere, would you like that? If you say yes, we'll give uh, uh, a limited access to some of that data. But so, once, then, go ahead. so once someone signs up, sorry, so once someone signs up uh, for this uh, platform like yours or a schedule, they, all the data gets incorporated. Then they decide to go with another organization or another application uh, like, similar to schedule. What happens to all the data that was generated? Does it get deleted? Does it get moved with the, you know, the user? Or does it uh, still has to be part of the schedule because you know there are a lot of interconnectedness and interdependencies with other users who are who you know also use that and who whose data was used to create the schedule so well, how, that, how is it going to work right and that's and that's a uh, a great question because in in reality um most data is shared so think about our our webcast today so uh, it's a live webcast it's going out to uh, a couple hundred thousand people um, even if it weren't, and just you and I uh, chatting on a Hangout, uh, it's not just my data. We're creating it together, and so you have equal rights to it as I do. Uh, and so uh, if, if I leave schedule, it doesn't mean that I have the right to delete the information that you helped create. And so the information you helped create has to stay with you. And so that, that permissions, uh, if you have a meeting with three or four people and one person says, I don't want to be in schedule anymore, the other three or four people still have access to the activities, information that was part of their common experience. And so uh, understanding that social reality of how data is created uh, is, is um, supported in schedule. Now we don't uh, make a perfect copy of what happens in real life because we want to improve an experience uh, with the technology. But if you think of walking down the street, uh, you think, well, it's a, I could be by myself, I'm walking down the street and it's a private experience. Well, it's not a private experience. We, we think it kind of is, but it's really not because you're in a public space. And so people can see you just as easily as if, uh, because they're on the street as well. And so uh, to say, well, look, uh, uh, my experience and schedule should be, or any other platform, should be entirely 
ghostable, right? That I could totally make it so that nobody could ever see a trace of me isn't realistic because it doesn't happen in the real world. Uh, and it can't happen, uh, particularly in, in uh, a social context because it's not just my experience, it's a joint experience. Yes. Um, but but I do think there are there are some uh, you know schedules of privacy first uh, platform we take uh, security extraordinarily uh, as extraordinary high priority and I think there are some some things that we'll learn that we'll be able to do in the future that are that are kind of revolutionary one of the things that's revolutionary is core to uh, our current technology which is um, we don't do any open book calendar sharing. So the fact that our technology takes a look at not only just the free busy data I have, but the choices, why I did what I do, why I want to meet with people I want to meet with, and leverages that against the model built for you when you and I want to meet next week and provides a short list of intelligent recommendations of when that can actually happen that doesn't conflict with other uh, opportunities. Um, that's really cool. And there's a way to say, look, how can I, how can I get that value and core to what we have now is, is that uh, I didn't have to see your calendar to have that recommendation be created because the technology does it. So what we see is the answer that you and I would have come to if we had all the data in front of us and we did some open book calendar sharing, it took a lot of time. Um, but in the future, you say, look, not only can that happen, but what happens if uh, I want to engage with um, my doctor's office and uh, I, I want to schedule um, a doctor's appointment for my child, but I need to also, uh, uh, in, our, in my case, uh, interact with my wife because I'm not sure if I'm going to be driving my child to the doctor's office or my wife, but I need to coordinate the doctor, my child, myself, my wife. And so now it's, it's larger, larger concerns. All of us are, are sharing this in this experience of figuring out when we can get the solution, but I don't need to know what all the doctor's doing. I don't need to know why we can't do all these other uh, opportunities, but I need to know the date and time that does work that I could drive or my wife could drive uh, my son to the doctor. Uh, and so that kind of experience in a privacy first platform that takes security uh, uh, highly uh, uh, as, a, as a core value uh, is enabled in schedule uh, because at our heart, we want the answer. We don't want all the data uh, uh, to be disclosed to everybody. Yes, absolutely. And especially the security is going to play a key role because uh, the, as the calendars of, you know, private calendars as well as the work calendars, uh, there are going to be there's blurring boundaries. And so how we are going to secure in such a way that the enterprise data doesn't get, you know, merged into the private data and somehow is not misused. That is going to be a key challenge. Now, as the applications emerge from cloud-based AI platforms for, you know, applications like schedule and others, you know, that are emerging, what are the key drivers that are going to help harness the transformative power of artificial intelligence? I think um, one of the technologies that's not that's uh, on the horizon that, from our perspective, that can have a role in terms of enabling AI to have a personal benefit uh, at the consumer level, at the individual uh, actors level, um, is blockchain technology. Um, that blockchain technology has, has, with the public ledger, uh, you know, core to it, has a way of tracking uh, where the data went and who had access to it. And so uh, a blockchain layer, not for cryptocurrency purposes, but for um, uh, kind of a, a custodial chain of that information, uh, would be, could be interesting. Uh, 
uh, because then you can say, look, I understand if I ever wanted to check, I could understand uh, who uh, had access to any one particular piece of information. Uh, and so when we look at, at some of our early uh, interactions in business development, we had uh, conversations with people who were uh, in, uh, in, at the government level. Uh, some people would say, well, this would be great for uh, bureaucracies of any kind. All they do is meet, they, and it takes a long time to figure out when they can get together. Uh, so people in the, in the Department of Defense, uh, people at the, at the government level say, would 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 love to have a schedule and so their question is well how do we have that level of security where we understand that schedule works best when there's private information and uh, a company's uh, calendar information is all considered at the same time but they don't want their information to go past the appropriate uh, uh, parties uh, that are working for the company so rights management is critical so understanding who has access to data, uh, making sure we have appropriate sharing rules so some data cannot be shared outside of uh, the immediate uh, recipients. Uh, all of that is uh, part of what the platform, the schedule platform uh, uh, provides for so that some things are open. If you have a, a fundraiser for uh, the, a charity, you want that to be open. You want a lot of people to get there and that, that kind of activity should be openly shared, but some data should not be shared uh, past the particular participants. Yeah, those uh, boundaries, how that will be created, what technology to use that would prevent the authentication of the data access, that's going to be interesting. We'll have to see how uh, effective that is. But do you think that the organizations that will succeed with machine learning over the long term are likely going to be the ones that have invested in a platform approach and especially where machine learning capabilities are also integrated on the platform that handles the you know entire life cycle of the data uh, irrespective of whether it's private data or is it uh, work data enterprise data or is it government data because there are going to be as we go forward and as more capabilities are built there is going to be integration of uh, the government activity as well as industries as well as the private and as well as the charity, you know, there's going to be all kinds of integration of all data from all different components of a nation. So that is going to be very important. What are your thoughts on that? Great question. I think, uh, yes, I think the platform approach is critical to, the, uh, to artificial intelligence value. Um, there's, uh, when you look at um, the ecosystem with which the data is created, uh, a platform approach makes much more sense. Because now, uh, and we talked about the data pipeline. How do you get the data from uh, its originating source into the model so that you can uh, uh, get some learnings from that? Some of that data is being processed uh, in the edges uh, at the device level. Uh, so in the Internet of Things, you have some smart devices that are learning uh, very simple rules uh, and that can, that can uh, uh, make uh, quick decisions uh, uh, out at the edges of, of the sensor network. Uh, but that data needs to then be rolled up into the, the platform uh, for the organization as a whole. And so uh, that ecosystem thinking, that platform approach uh, that's enabled by the cloud computing uh, is critical, I think, to, to artificial intelligence and to the people that will uh, win in this space, be the most productive, uh, have the longest term, longest longevity in it. Um, open data initiatives in terms of government uh, is interesting uh, and it's it's. And that's where I think uh, 
the public's understanding of the value of, of data, uh, the informational quality, uh, uh, content of it, uh, what anonymized data means, uh, because we want the value of, as best we can, we want all the value of artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, with the highest level of privacy. And so understanding that uh, my data can be used to make decisions at the local city level or the, at the state level in the government um, is great, but uh, it takes a very simple kind of um, uh, understanding of, of, of do they know me in particular or do they know me as a general uh, person in, in, this, in, the, in the community? Um, and that kind of information rights, uh, understanding the uh, kind of a bill of rights type of thing uh, is gaining some, um, uh, some popularity, I think. Bill of rights for the data, data access. That would be interesting if someone you know comes up with the, creating that. But it seems now we are seeing uh, so many different professional assistants powered by cloud-based AI platform emerging. How effective are they, and how accept accepted are they? Are the consumers accepting them, and how widely they are used? Um, some are, yeah. So uh, in the um, in the intelligent assistants. Uh, uh, realm, um, you have some chatbots or have been really popular over the last 18 months to uh, two years at the most. Um, and they kind of help on the, the ability for natural language processing and natural language understanding uh, has really uh, increased of, re of recent times. And so those uh, chatbots for business purposes, uh, you call in and you would normally talk to a customer service rep representative um, or you want to schedule a, a hotel uh, uh, booking. Uh, some of that is done through chatbot now uh, because the range of, of requests and the conversation is, is relatively finite. And so those chatbots can be very, very smart and they have a specific task. Um, but it's the, the generalized, the, one of the views of artificial intelligence is that we're gonna create a generalized intelligent robot uh, or generalized intelligence. And so uh, a sentient machine, right? Someone, who, a machine that, that has consciousness and can think and, and reason like you and I do, uh, generate uh, conversations on the fly like we do. Um, that's what some of the public think is possible or imminent in, near, in the very near future, and it's not in the very near future. Uh, some people are working on it, but most people aren't working on that kind of uh, artificial intelligence. What they're working on is uh, very specific task-oriented machine learning uh, bots. Uh, or uh, widgets, whatever you want to call them, uh, but they're basically programs that uh, solve a specific problem with a specific set of data. And uh, even when you try to do that, a platform approach is required because of the infrastructure that's required, how the data gets there, how the data uh, is processed, and where it goes after that. Um, and so I think the, the a cloud computing platform approach um, uh, needs to be adopted uh, for that uh, to, to work best. Yes, the data lifecycle is going to be very, very important. Now, if we talk about the AI-powered assistance, not for the consumer, but for the businesses, what are the key features and uh, where do you see really interesting features developing that would take the how we do the work, how the work is conducted on irrespective of projects or you know anything you know that is uh, happening within an enterprise, how it is going to change how the business operates or how the work environment uh, operates or how we do anything you know within the corporate boundaries sure um that change is is um one of the drivers of that change is um 
the expectation, whether it's ultimately going to be realized or not, of um, data ubiquity, that, that, if, that everything is ultimately knowable. Uh, and for example, uh, uh, you look at uh, route planning for UPS. And so machine a great example is machine learning for the UPS drivers. How do they get the right boxes on the truck and that truck to go through town in the, in the most efficient manner, delivering the most amount of boxes, least amount of gas, minimum amount of time uh, through the houses, uh, especially we're coming up during the holidays, right? That route planning uh, is a machine learning algorithm task. And so how do they say I need to go to the house on Elm Street, the house on Market, the house on 3rd Street, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then you start layering other sets of data on top of that. So it's not just the physical uh, route and the, and the miles in between each stop. Uh, it also could be traffic patterns. It could be weather. Uh, it could be uh, even uh, some behavioral information in terms of, of maybe we should deliver heavy packages early in the morning when the drivers are most fresh and the lighter packages in the afternoon to give the highest, the best average speed of delivery. Um, those types of data and the questions you start and you get bright people thinking, well, what are all the components in this platform that drive this, this, uh, this process? And how can the, each one of those components impact another one? It's really an ecosystem and a complexity theory type of approach. And um, uh, it gets really fun. It gets really interesting to say, well, how, you know, for, that's one example of, in terms of uh, route planning for UPS. But look at any other process like Coca-Cola, any other company, they've got a process. And those processes are, are, are being digitized. They're being watched uh, by uh, devices and creating data. Once you get that activity digitized and you can then quantify what's happening and then you can start uh, uh, modeling it and doing some predictive analytics to see uh, uh, how things can be improved. Good point. Now, data, we all know that data is the feedstock of artificial intelligence and the nature of data that feeds into any AI platform is going to be at the center of you know how, what kind of functionalities we develop, what kind of capabilities we develop. So do you think that organization or it could be an entities across NGIO. It doesn't have to be within the corporate boundary, even also the government. Do you see that uh, entities that understand this, you know, power of the data or the nature of data that gets fed into the AI platforms, that they will gain advantage over those that don't and equip themselves for this AI-driven economy? Certainly. I think um, if you're in a leadership position at uh, a company, you don't have to understand the mechanics of machine learning, but you do need to have this understanding uh, that uh, and drive that expectation that your data should be leveraged uh, for actionable insights um, and that the data from one part of your company or your organization uh, should integrate or be leveraged and combined with other data. So whether it's from the sales side of the organization and you have customer uh, CRM type data, uh, you have your accounting type data in terms of, of uh, accounts receivable and, and, and uh, all of that type of data, and you can see, get a holistic view, what happens throughout your organization. And I think the people that understand that, um, uh, Companies are, are, are data-driven data companies will do better, uh, will hire the right people, uh, they'll start asking the right questions, and they'll participate in uh, those uh, uh, exploratory meetings where they're starting to ask the right questions. Uh, and those questions are, you know, 
why do we do what we do now? Is there a better way to do it? Uh, what are the uh, limitations of what we're doing now? Um, and um, uh, what holes in our data are we seeing that if we had this pile of data uh, that we could then maybe gain some insights from uh, a new from that new collection? Yes, yes, definitely. Now we see that the data science is going to be an effective weapon in cloud computing. But do we have the capability where developing any application based on uh, cloud AI based uh, platform on cloud computing is easy or do we still need like very in-depth understanding by data science experts to be able to create any application or any you know service or any product that they're trying to develop based on the cloud-based AI platform where are we in terms of developing capabilities you have it uh, we are you have to have an expert without a doubt uh, and in, in general with uh, software products software products uh, whether they're your core application uh, app, uh, uh, that where you develop, where you're creating them from scratch, uh, or things that are uh, uh, add-ons to an application, like machine learning components to an application, um, that may provide the data that the application uses and presents to uh, its users. Um, a, a near miss in terms of, of technical talent is a total fail. So if you get somebody who's generally okay, but they're really not really trained, you can get to a point where the product never delivers what it should deliver. Uh, in machine learning, uh, understanding, uh, we talk about data and the data pipeline, understanding um, how the data generates from an experience and an application, uh, gets into the data, uh, into the data store, uh, how that data storage, you have decisions there in terms of how the data is stored so that you can get it uh, back out quickly uh, and uh, pre-process it, put it into the model, and then uh, uh, generating that model, and then understanding the results. It's not just that, I mean, uh, th this is highly technical work, uh, and to say that it's, you can just take a pile of data and you throw an algorithm at it and you're going to get the answer that you want at the end uh, is not the way it works, uh, and you shouldn't have that expectation. Um, and so there's a lot of work that goes into the setting up of an a artificial intelligence unit that can be productive for an organization, uh, and the ultimate running of the algorithm is only... Uh, it's not a small part, but it's only one component of a larger system. Yes, yes, definitely. Now let's talk about your venture schedule. What is your vision? Where are you going? Sure. In schedule, you pick the people and schedule finds the best date, time and place for any activity. And so what we do is we take the guesswork out of that planning and scheduling of business meetings, doctor's appointments, social engagements, um, activity coordination. And you had a great conversation uh, uh, in, in the past about uh, schedule is, you know, we see it initially for, uh, and we want to impress that value on individual people. We know there's an organizational value, an enterprise value, uh, that uh, when people pay for other people's time, the more they time, they, they the more time that they spend scheduling uh, is less time they spend on, a, on their critical activity. We know that that's there. Uh, it's very exciting, uh, and we'll get to an enterprise value uh, and, and level uh, quickly in schedule. But schedule isn't just for coordinating a business meeting, a hangout, uh, going to dinner with friends. It's coordinating uh, activities between entities. And those entities can be people like you and I and a service 
So uh, we, uh, we were, were fortunate enough to be named a cool vendor by Gartner uh, Communications in 2017 for Unified Communications. And in Unified Communications, what they're interested in schedule for is that uh, request that a consumer has to an organization for a customer service uh, response. Um, and so uh, years ago, you'd have to call in, be on hold, wait for an operator, uh, have that operator uh, do some triage to say who, find out who you would need to talk to, and, and then ultimately get that person. And you wait a long time for that whole process. Well, what ha would happen if you could coordinate uh, through that uh, an application and schedule a return phone call that works at a time that's not just good for you, but good for the specific person you need to talk to? And so schedule is a component in that process. We're not the component that identifies who you should talk to and identifying that decision tree, who has the right answer for you or likely to have the right answer for you. But we're the component that does that makes the handshake that says this person can personally give you a call back in 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and you happen to be free in 15 or 20 minutes or it may be two hours. And so getting that very custom coordination of the delivery of service, in this case, and an answer to a question is a schedule question. Uh, but it could be between people. Uh, ultimately, schedule will go uh, past people-to-people -people interactions. Uh, quickly, one of the first things is we'll, we'll enable uh, the uh, addition or creation of assets within schedule so that a person can then have assets like meeting rooms and create an entity in schedule that that meeting room could be shared with a bunch of people and have a schedule of its own and be intelligently scheduled in terms of there's no double booking and everybody understands uh, that assets use. Uh, but the meeting room is just a thing. And that asset could be a meeting room, realtors want uh, schedule assets or identities for listings so that they can coordinate, intelligently coordinate the listing agent, the people who own the house, the people who want to buy the house, instead of now having everybody come at the house at the right time, they need to get a find a time when the owners can exit the house and the prospective buyers can come in and tour the house. And so uh, that's a use case that we found very interesting uh, in our discussions this last year. But it's also the ability for uh, devices to coordinate with other devices. So as we make devices generally smarter, right, with a little bit of machine intelligence, so that they can have a little more autonomous, a little more behavior that's not uh, directly uh, uh, under the control of, of, of a human operator, well, they need to interact with other devices for resources and, and, and uh, productivity planning. Uh, and so that's a scheduled component, scheduled uh, question, right? And so those, res those, those devices may have the ability, or they may not be in the same organization, uh, so they have the same data privacy um, uh, requirements that schedule handles very well, just like people do. My data needs to be my data, and your data, data needs to be yours, but we need to come to a joint decision. That schedules perfect uh, uh, sweet spot. Well, devices, and, and because they're owned by different entities or under organizational um, rules uh, where sharing isn't allowed, they still need to come to the right answer, but that data needs to be housed and, and, made, and remain private. And that's, a, that's where I think schedule will uh, go well beyond uh, an application that you and I use on our smartphones. Great, great. That sounds wonderful. Now, how intelligent do you think is schedule? Uh, I think it's, it's uh, our chat, I think it can be very intelligent. Uh, early on, uh, it'll be uh, much better than the status quo. Uh, but I wouldn't say it's like uh, that executive assistant that has worked with you for 15 or 20 years that knows your habits, knows uh, your family history, knows your doctors, and can help you coordinate uh, all the things that you do. 
but it would be great if it gets there. And again, it probably could. Our challenge is uh, that uh, in, in data science terms, uh, the amount of data that we have is uh, less than um, uh, companies like Netflix, right? So if you go to Netflix and you like, I love science fiction movies. So I like science fiction movies and they learn that. So they present opportunities for me for like science fiction movies, right? Well, in our case, we have a much smaller data set. And so how do we, uh, our challenge is to, to determine and design, test, and uh, optimize models that work with smaller amounts of data, uh, but that may have higher dimensionality. Dimensionality means more variables. And so even though that you and I may have uh, 15 activities on our calendar in a week, we actually do a lot more things than just 15 things. We're always busy, just sometimes they get on a calendar, sometimes they don't. And so uh, Schedule being a platform that can interact with um, uh, our members and understand when they're saying yes to things, when they're saying no to things, and be have that level of, sec of, of security and under the direction of the member. So I understand that this is my tool as a member that I'm, I'm basically training it. It's smart out of the box. I'm gonna train it to get a little bit smarter and it'll not only know when I'm busy, but it'll start understanding when I say yes, when I say no, who I say yes to and who I say no to so that I'm always in control, but it cuts out a lot of the legwork so that when it makes a recommendation, I'm more likely to say yes. And uh, for when the, like when I wanna meet with somebody and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, and I think uh, it can it can get uh, uh, very smart, um, but it, it it's like anything. It takes time. It's 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 hard work and, and time. Of course. Now, what other challenges do you face or do you anticipate as you try to take schedule platform to the next step? The um, one of the challenges is uh, our platform is uh, has the hallmarks of being a viral platform because at core to schedule, you and I want to meet for a meeting tomorrow, uh, we want to start talking about that. We want to start communicating about that. So my using schedule means I'm going to share schedule. So you don't have to, not everybody that I interact with needs to be also be a, a schedule member. So if I have their email address or if I have their, uh, their phone number, I could send them an invitation. Schedule does not look at anybody's, uh, anybody's calendar without their permission, but it makes intelligent recommendations on the data set it does have. And so because I can interact with people that have an experience with schedule, people that maybe are schedule members, uh, just me and my normal activities will share schedule to my network. Uh, and then there's opportunities for those people to have a, a guest experience. That's awesome. They can come in, they can interact act with the chat. They can see what's happening on the cards in terms of the media that was uploaded uh, for the common activity. Um, they never see my calendar if they're, if they're a guest, but they can all start seeing their activities represented uh, in their view. And so schedule has the hallmarks of being uh, viral. Uh, that means that the plat and the data, uh, as you mentioned earlier, is highly personal data. And so uh, it has to be a commercial quality uh, product when it reaches the market. We're not overbuilding it, but it has to have the, the ability to, for us to be confident in saying that your data is secure uh, with all the uh, appropriate levels of security uh, and encryption. Uh, it's not likely to go down. Uh, your data will be there uh, and um, when you come back to it and that sort of thing. So um, it can't, we're, we're past the point in our company in terms of just doing a, a product demo. Uh, and we've done that, we've tested those types of things. Now we're hardening the system, making it basically commercial ready 
so that it can live in the, in the wild and people can have a good experience and the, uh, a level of, of understanding of what that uh, uh, experience is going to be like. Great. Now, what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners, especially those young minds who are out there wanting to make a difference and are you know really looking for an opportunity uh, where to go what to do and how they can you know make a difference not only for their nation's problems but uh, across the nations you know for the global community so what would you like to tell them great question uh, i would tell them um to uh find the problem it's uh your passion uh should be on finding the problem and, and being a problem solver and whether you use artificial intelligence, machine learning, or some other tool set to solve those problems uh, is up to you and, and what your skills are really good at. Um, but if you're true to the problem and who experiences that problem, uh, then you'll, you'll, you'll continually be guided and reinforced when you get to the right solution. And so uh, if you're a young person, uh, study like mad, uh, uh, whether it's at the university or if you're self-study, uh, there's a lot of online resources for, uh, in particular, for, we've been talking about machine learning and artificial intelligence this hour. Um, there's great online uh, uh, courses, whether at Coursera, Udemy, um, uh, uh, DataCamp uh, for machine learning. Uh, and stay close to the problem. Staying close to the problem and who experiences the problem will ensure that uh, you're asking the right questions and that when you produce a solution, it's likely to be implemented so that you can actually say, yeah, we saw this problem. We had a bunch of people that couldn't be uh, get access to healthcare because they weren't asking, they weren't finding the right resources. I figured out a better way to match up the people with the specific problems with the, with the right resources. And now they have delivery service, which is uh, orders of magnitude uh, quicker than they would have been. Uh, that's a great feeling. And so uh, start with the problem. Don't start with your tool set and say, I'm gonna find a problem for it. Go out in the real world, talk to people. And once you find uh, the, the, the problem, then you're on the, then you know you're on a street that you wanna be on. Great advice. Start with the problem. You're right. Thank you so much, Matthew, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate your thoughtful insight on cloud-based artificial intelligence platform and our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you provided on predictive computing or artificial intelligence, cloud computing, and simplifying the future, basically. If a, even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to understand cloud-based artificial intelligence platform and come up with new novel ideas to solve complex challenges facing their nations or humanity based on the understanding they received from the discussion we had today. This Risk Roundup Dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that. Thank you very much, it's been my pleasure. Wonderful, so as cloud-based artificial intelligence platforms fundamentally tries to transform nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia, it is important that we evaluate security risk rising because of the profound implications to the future of humanity. Risk groups, cybersecurity, geosecurity, and space security risk research centers are created for this very reason to identify, evaluate, and manage the risk facing NGIOA and CGS, that means nations, its government, industries, organizations, and academia in cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace, they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict, and it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two. All three concepts feed into each other. We believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain 
until it is secure for everyone across nations. Tradition becomes our security. So if you build a culture of managing risk effectively, it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace. Let's manage the existing and emerging risk together. For more information on the risk counters, to watch the risk counter videos or hear the risk counter podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree Pandya, host of Risk Counter, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.